Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in. Over on the west side, we have Dr. D. And in light of tonight's episode, you can just call me G. What up, D? Not much, G. <laughs> um, I'm doing well, as always. I got a wide smile on my face waiting to talk about this uh oh <laughs> this boy particular All film right. well tonight ladies and gents we are gonna break it down about black panther absolutely and listen right off the top i have to say that i believe that trying to save this patient may be our greatest challenge yet we are going to have to open it up and perform some radical surgery i believe why is that Oh, just because of the things about it that didn't appeal to this particular doctor? Oh, my. Yeah. But I'd rather start by focusing on the positive. Uh, do you have a positive quick take? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but uh, no, I loved it. Ooh. I thought... Uh... No, I thought it was great for a lot of reasons. I'm so, I have a lot I'm of res- so excited. I have a lot of reservations. But okay. overall, I yeah, I felt like this one knocked it out of the park. Wow. Okay, that was you did such a great job of hiding that from me in our uh, brief interactions that were the last couple of days. Uh, I did not uh, think that that's uh, what you were going to say. Uh, yeah. No, I was loving it, and then the ending happened. <laughs> okay, well, save it, man. Save it. All right. Uh, my quick take is, uh, I will say that I actually ended up seeing it twice. Uh, once where I had a great deal of trouble sort of just following the general story. And that really is not the fault of the filmmakers completely as I was sleeping on and off through a good deal of it, as it turns out. Because on the second viewing, I was like, oh, I don't remember this scene. <laughs> That helps, you know, one way or another. And I do honestly feel that there are so many things about this that are kind of glorious. But uh, ultimately, it was not a, a full thumbs up for me. And I, I feel bad. No, don't, that. don't. I, now, every, you, I'm sure, remember this. Some of our audience may not. I'm, I am so not a comic book movie guy. I'm like the anti-comic book movie guy. I'm, I'm proud to say I've not seen a single Avengers moment. Whoa. Uh, okay. I've seen bits of the first Iron Man. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, be, before Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange was like the first, uh, the first superhero comic book movie that I went to intentionally and, oh right, I remember. I remember now discussing and that. fully completed, brought to full term, as it were. <laughs> well, Doctor D, I can I can like hear you folding your arms <laughs> in preparation. So, no, no, no. I, I really do want to talk about the things that I liked and the things that you liked first. And certainly, one of the things I liked was this phenomenal cast. Oh my God. It is off the hook. Yeah. You know, Chad, Chadwick Boseman is the, is the least of it. Uh. I wasn't even all that familiar with him beforehand, although, you know, I had seen Captain America Civil War, you know, and I'd seen Get On Up, I'd seen 42, so I guess I do know uh, some of his bigger, bigger roles 
gosh, come to think of it, I'd seen Marshall as well. <laughs> I've seen a lot of him, and yet didn't really have a um, a fix on him in my mind the way I did, even for example, someone as you know in such a minor role as as uh, what is his name, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Yeah. Because I vividly remembered seeing him. I wanted to see a little more of him, but I was I was okay with uh with the resolution. What you got. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, and, and I and the thing is is that he's can play, you know, in future installments that all of these people can fill in, but then you've got Michael B. Jordan who uh, has worked with uh, Ryan Coogler before in Creed, where I thought he was terrific, in Fruitvale Station, which if you haven't seen it, you should. Okay. Plan 2. Um, I had Plan 2 before. I'm looking, I, I, I'm looking forward to Creed 2, despite the uh, levels of involvement of uh, Sylvester Stallone. There was rumor that he was going to write and direct, and I just thought that was probably the end of the story for him. It also looks like... Um, like Michael Jordan might have cut his teeth on Friday Night Lights, the TV show, which I never saw, but I hear such oh, yeah. terrific things about that. Uh, I imagine that he was uh, very good in that, too. That actually, more than anything I've ever heard about that show, makes me want to go back and catch up with it. Hmm. And then you've got uh, Lupita Nyong'o, uh. who is, you know, from 12 Years a Slave, and, and notably she was in Star Wars and a variety of other things. Um, so yeah, and the cast like just keeps going and going. Yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible, and uh, particularly the women, the yes. characters played by the women and the and the actresses themselves, and the prominence that women were given. They were never dis- like there was never a disrespect of them, like a categorical disrespect. No, if all if the you might even you could make an argument that maybe they had sort of fifty five percent or even sixty percent of like screen time um, and story yeah, time. I think so. And they were they were fierce. Yes. And they were. I mean, that's where the word glorious is coming from. Is just how magnificent they all looked. I'm not talking about like their their physical being, although they are mostly very striking women. But just the glow about them and the, the energy and the power that they brought to, these, to yeah. these parts. Everyone felt like they were really in their element somehow. Absolutely. Just uh, incredible. But I feel like all up and down. I mean, you know, almost it doesn't matter what part the character had to play in the plot throughout, even in, in mid-sized roles, even in very, very small roles, like a, an under five or even just a character that just has one line. And it was cast with someone who not only was really good, but who had a, a strong Presence. background as an actor. I, but the only the only exception to the casting, yes, oh no, across the board perfection for me. I really hate to say it. Oh no, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> only because only because of the, the his his presence in Rogue One. I'm like, oh, is he just going to be like the wise old sage with a staff that he needs to walk with? Like, <laughs> I I want to see him get. I like him. I want to see him get like sort of away from this weak supporting character stuff but right. um uh, no but the or, cast the cast uh, is fantastic generally yes right okay but i want to just i want to have qualms with your your definition of him as a weak supporting character in that i think 
his character was integral to the story. Um, it's just that needing requiring multiple actors to play similar parts at different ages undercuts the power of the association of that character with the actor. Hmm. Yeah, that's following. I do. And I'm trying to remember. Do you know off the top of your head what character name uh, Forrest no. Whitaker's character's name was? No, I could not. Okay, let me see if I can just quickly look at that because there was a quote I'd seen that might be relevant here to your comment of his of his relative importance. Well, you know, speaking of uh, character names, I feel like I've seen. I've seen the character referred to as Killmonger, and I don't recall ever really hearing that in the movie. Did it, did I just miss it? That was Michael B. Jordan's yeah. character's last name, Eric Killmonger. Yeah, I don't think I really heard the Killmonger part of it. I don't know if that comes from the comic book, if that name is being pulled from there. If it is, fine, I'll live with it. But if it's not, if that's what they came up with, I want a bitch slap. Well, no. no. No, 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 not necessarily do you. Because uh, my first reaction when I saw it, the first thing I thought of was that, uh, that that was like a CIA nickname when he was doing ops. Oh, like like in quotation marks. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But ultimately, his character trait is he wants to kill everything or, you know, whatever. He's True. such a, a bloodthirsty guy. I would accept it as a, as a character... Nickname. Nickname, but it's not presented as such in the um, documentation I'm looking at here. Hmm. That is a shame. All right, going back to going back to Forrest Whitaker for a moment, there's a, a quote from Ryan Coogler where he calls the character Zuri, which is played by Forrest Whitaker, as this movie's version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi. Yeah. So the filmmakers don't consider it a passing, you know. Okay, okay. However, I agree with you that I don't think that statement on Ryan Coogler's part is, is remotely supported by the, the story as it plays out on screen. Yeah. I feel like that's almost the height of arrogance. Well, you know, when, um, I forgot the character's name, uh, the CIA agent, Whitey. Oh, yeah, Martin Freeman. I yeah. don't know the name of the character. When he kind of makes that little aside, like, no, he can't be. He's one of us. Like yes. I like that that turning point because now I was very intrigued. Like, okay, so which way is this going? Right. There was some nice uh, intrigue there for a for few you. minutes. That character name for Martin Freeman, by the way, is Eric K. Ross. The K, obviously, standing for Killmonger. Ah, okay. Was the acting largely the acting throughout the casting? I thought that the the set design and the you know maison scene was really cool and interesting. Sometimes it would give a little nod to sort of comic book type stuff, but well, I just, I believed the world they were creating. Well, yeah. yes, I did too. However, I did kind of shift in my seat a little bit a couple of times because I felt like for a civilization that is technologically superior, I guess mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen... A development of their cosmopolis that was not so similar to ours, like things we've seen mm. before, like right. skyscrapers and monorails, and you know what I mean. I don't know, like yes, I'm picking them up on my radar, and it's got a reboot, and I'm like, hey, okay, <laughs> what reboot? Really, what 
Right. That, Wouldn't you have your own words and ways of describing yeah, things? Yeah. Yeah. If that even, if you even needed to do that sort of thing. I don't know. Well, was yes. A little... There's only so much that a super amazing element can, uh, can only so many problems it can solve. In fact, I didn't understand the, the monorail or whatever that was as it related to the sort of marketplace within that, you know, amazing city. Yeah, when they were, when, when they were in that, that marketplace, that, that, that typical, you know, African continent street market. Yeah, but that, it had little flares. It, it felt like a completely different place. It, it, it sort of did. That I I, I would I didn't feel like I was in that underground city of the future, right. but um, yeah, I, I sort of feel like everything underground is almost like ultra futuristic, and then anything that's above ground that could be seen from somewhere else, uh, it was much. More, oh well, then um, well that's true. Yeah, well they could have been what they were like walking around in the camouflage. I don't know, man. You're talking to the wrong guy. Oh, jeez. I'm trying to stay positive. Oh, man. You're beating me down. Me? I feel like I feel, yes. I, I feel I feel like you're 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 still pulling your punches. Because overall, no, no, I thought no, this movie was fantastic. Even, um, oh no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't started. You're... I haven't started punching. I haven't started punching. Punch. I'm not pulling them. I haven't started. Well then, well, you just go right for it. I just want to see if there's anything else I want to touch on that I really did like. Before I uh, start anywhere else, I also, you know, what else? Um, I like that. Uh, you know, Whitey wasn't too cartoonish, wasn't a stock racist. You know, right. like I think I thought I had heard that there were like people, like white people, watching this movie and and sort of feeling uncomfortable, like they did in Get Out with the presence of the token white. And I was like, what's wrong with it? Like, it's fine. Although, I kind of have a little bit of qualms. Like, first of all, the whole casino scene, which immediately made me think of James Bond. I was waiting for, like, um, I forgot the actor's name. I was waiting for Felix Leiter to come out. Oh, right. And, and just sort of be at one of the tables. But, you know, when the scene... You know, it's one thing, I feel like, in a comic book universe. Like, okay, there's this kind of weird reality parallel to ours where people can fly around and bolts of energy just shoot out from their limbs at will. Yeah. But then, like, the CIA, no, like, the CIA, the spook, like, recognizes T'Challa, whatever his name was. Now I'm thinking, well, so the CIA, like, have tabs on these superheroes? Like... He would know where this guy is all the time. It suddenly seemed to me a little bit of a collusion. It's like, not collusion, but it seemed like a little bit like a, a little bit of a collision of hmm. real reality. Like I'm sort of suspending really. I don't know. I'm not really making sense. I think I got gotcha. you. Your feelings um, about the casino sequence reminding you of a Bond movie is, I think, very valid, partly because, uh, from what I've read, they definitely recognize the the little sister... And Q. Uh, yeah. ...character as, as their version yeah, of Q. Yeah, which also was a little bit of a disappointment when that happened. Not, I mean, not a major one, but... Right, I, I understand. Um, and so, except that I feel like... So they were kind of even really 
tipping the hat to Bond there yeah. or just full out. And they going didn't for milk it. it. That's for except sure. I didn't feel uh, that's true. But I also feel like they they screwed it up in that those Bond and Q scenes work are are very structured. And it goes, Q says, here are the, whatever it is, four or five different things I'm providing you with for this mission. And you see all four or five of them in that area. And then you, then they all are used later at one point or another. And in this one, she said, well, the car has already been sent on ahead. So you didn't know what the car would look like. And she showed him the earpieces, which... characters in movies, particularly spy-type characters, have been using earpieces forever. So to introduce that like it's a new idea, and she says unlimited range, whereas in almost every spy thing you see, the range appears to be largely unlimited. They never seem to have trouble hearing one another or being in touch with one another. Then she had the sneakers, which she called the sneakers, which is this great pun she did. Uh, Shoes that make it, you know, no one can hear you coming. They never used those at all. In fact, later in the movie, there's a point in which he is running and you can hear his footstep. Hmm. So I'm like, is he not wearing his sneakers now? In any case, and I can't remember what the last thing was, but it was about remotely driving the car or something, which they did obviously end up using. But I didn't feel like they had the discipline to, to do that Q-style scene in a way that would then pay off properly. Well, I think, I think what you said before... Uh, is is a little more on the nose. I think it was it was more of a tip of a hat okay. than certainly trying to recreate it. I would hope that there isn't, you know, that this isn't the template and there's a similar scene in the next one. But um, <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, certainly if they're going to handle it that way, here's the point: the value of those scenes is the fun in seeing what it is, knowing what it's supposed to do, and then seeing it used later. If you don't show it or you don't explain it fully and we don't really understand what's going to happen with it later, when it does happen, there's no payoff for us in the story side. You could have skipped that scene and she could have just said, here's a sack full of tech that's going to help you. And then he could have used it and we would have just gone on. So if you're going to bother to yeah, do the scene, do it I, right as far as... I understand. I understand that point. And I do not say that you are wrong, but mm-hmm. it did not bother me here I was aware of the fact that it was a a, a clipped version of that scene as we're used to seeing okay. it because I didn't like the fact that it was there I was fine with it being over quickly <laughs> and then later when when you know someone when, when when the device came out and or you know they suddenly utilized something that they I'm like wait did they explain that oh it's probably that scene and like gotcha. gotcha it didn't bother okay. me. well that must be good for you I have it not bother you because it bothered me. All right, so uh, enough with saying nice things. Oh, no, the one last nice thing I really want to say is that I adored um, the Andy Serkis. I loved him. I thought he was fun and funny. I loved his accent. I loved how, I mean, he still moves like a gorilla. I mean, that guy, his body looked powerful. Um, I thought his arm gadget was kind of cool. And as a kind of classic quote-unquote Bond-type villain or whatever, up there with Jaws or whatever. Um, I thought yeah. he was he was absolutely terrific, and I was really disappointed when he died. I kind of was, because too. Because to me, I was looking forward to him really getting his butt kicked yeah. and having to answer for his crimes. I, I was disappointed at that, too. 
And so, and I thought that that was a great loss. And that was the point at which when I went, that was the point at which I started nodding off a little because I was like, I'm not sure I care anymore because I didn't, I didn't really get behind Michael Jordan as the villain sort of either time really, but certainly not the first time that I saw it. Um, I understood it a lot better the second time really, um, in in the larger sort of structure way, Hmm. but uh, I had missed connections the, sort of the the reason how all the pieces tied together I, I hadn't I hadn't gotten the right sort of um I had no I had no problem with that handoff yeah I I kind of liked that there wasn't a big cartoonish villain that there were going to be two guys fighting while flying in the sky over a city no it seemed like a it seemed like a very uh, a very realist mission right right um, and just jumping back quickly in, a, in an offbeat way to the casting and how you were saying some people maybe were uncomfortable watching the movie. What they clearly did was the sort of the inverse, the negative of what we're used to, which is they cast one white guy as a bad guy and one white guy as a good guy. The way will happen for the purposes of diversity in a, in a you know, color flipped. Oh, that's cast. funny. I wasn't even counting Andy Serkis. I just assumed. Oh, that, you weren't. No, I wasn't. I don't know why. I, but uh, wow, I, wow! I think I even said one white guy before. Yeah, no, I, maybe right, because did, I didn't think did. he was actually there, but he was just sort of CGI'd in. Uh, I mean, I think he has probably more screen time than Martin uh, Freeman. Martin Freeman. Uh, okay, so, <clears throat> and then the other sort of, and aside from all of this, is that uh, my wife and I uh, recently saw. Uh, John Leguizamo's one-man show, Latin History for Morons. Okay. And we saw it in New York, and basically he's going through, as would, in, as would indicate, everything you should know about the history of Latin America and how it influenced American culture and American arts and science and everything else, but that's all been swept under the rug. And I'll tell you what, almost every story involved Anglos murdering people and doing horrible stuff and I was in an audience where I was practically the only white person. And that was uncomfortable. Nah. <laughs> I mean, John Leguizamo is fantastic. It was amazing. It was so cool to see him. We'd seen him, you know, 20 years ago. And now to see him as a father, talking about his life as a father, mm-hmm. was all really, really interesting. But I wasn't even remotely uncomfortable in the Black Panther office uh, uh, audience as much as I was in the actual theater being surrounded by <laughs> Sure. Uh, okay, so enough with the fun. Here's where I knew I was in trouble. Yeah. We are scarcely moments into this movie, and we're now, we're inside an apartment, and we've got uh, yeah. that terrific actor, yeah. Sterling K. Brown, yes. who, I, who I really like a lot. I like him every week on This Is Us, blah, blah, blah. Terrific actor. Oh, and he was, uh, he was in the O.J. Simpson, one of those O.J. Simpson movies, I think. Hmm. And then somebody arrives, and it's the yeah. some ro- royal entity from, you know, Taekwondo. No, sure. Uh, uh, what is Wakanda. It? Wakanda, Wakanda forever. And he starts by saying, so he's they're, they're speaking in the native tongue, so it's subtitled. And he says, blah, 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 little brother. Okay. I have a little brother. I've never called him little brother. Generally, that's a kind of exposition that I feel is heavy-handed. And oh, come on. Really? I do. 
I do. Absolutely. In general, you're right, but in this case, okay, I, I feel yeah, like, I feel like it, it's not like the classic example. You know, hey Adam, you old deep sea diver, you. Of course, of course, you and I have had this conversation yeah. as as writers together. Yeah, but so little brother, <laughs> yeah. Okay. some people. Hang on, might hang on, hang on, hang on. You got to let me see get that it out in man. certain circumstances. Okay. So, that was a red flag for me that I was dealing with some lazy writing. Ah, all right. Okay. Two minutes later, in the same fucking scene, he calls him little brother again. Now, you tell me. Were they trying to set up that he always calls him little brother, and so he's going to say it a bunch of times? Or they didn't think we got it the first time? Or they're just too fucking dumb to know, but twice I have to read that it's his little brother? Now, tell me they're not lazy motherfuckers. That was the point at which I went, now we're really in trouble. Maybe there was more dialogue in that scene originally, and it was edited. Uh, and it possibly, was edited out so that, to, so that the but, distance between the two little brothers was yes. greater and possibly less noticeable. Of course, you're offensive. so right. You're so right, except for one thing, Greg. Mm. They were in charge of what words they put on the screen. Those guys could have been talking about engine parts, and they could have put any words on the screen that they wanted to, but they chose a second time to put the words little brother so you can keep defending them but that was that was hey listen you didn't want me to pull my punches here are my fucking punches that's lazy ass bullshit and we were off to the races as far as i was concerned all right all right all right easy easy all right so i love the opening sequence by the way the origin of wakanda i thought that was fantastic that Oh, you have to remind me again then. This the, that, that was supposed to come out during our Let's Talk About the Good Things. So remind me again what that was. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, try, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to bring this show back onto the positive no, side of the axis. So I may interject with some positives here and there. All right. So I'm asking to you to tell me a little bit more about that opening and what you like about it. Uh, the meteor hits the earth in Africa, and that's where the vibranium is, is, is centered. And how right. it enriched the people, you know, socially, okay. technologically. And we were just, it was like this flying shot where the geography and the mountains, everything was changing and morphing into the next thing that they were talking about. It was very cool, I thought. Oh, that's cool. Yes, yes. I am with you there. Okay, <clears throat> so this thing about my little brother was just a mild thing. It just, it just all right. bumped me. All right, when, all right, fine. Yes, it. twice. You're right, you're right. Okay, so, as long as we're talking about vibranium. Now, I'm sure that if you go to the source material, vibranium is all over that. All over that. It is, it is part of the DNA of the whole Black Panther uh, Wakanda lore. Unfortunately, what we have is 50 years since then, where just a recent example would be um, James Cameron, who may well have stolen it, but he he, he of the unobtainium. Yeah, well, so that we was actually just, have that was lazy. Have, that was lazy writing. The absolutely lazy writing. He's a lazy son of a bitch, and I'm fairly sure he stole that. He's a, he's a bad writer who tells stories well, or so I don't know how to describe him. Wow, that's Cameron. I mean, he he's had some actual, absolutely brilliant stuff he did, and then he just sort of went off. I don't know what he's doing anymore. Speaking of going off. So, so the idea of hinging this whole story around an extraordinarily special element that people, and I, and I'm only saying, not Avalon. What was the Cameron thing called? Avatar. Avatar. Thank you. 
I'm only referencing that because it comes immediately to mind at this moment. But I well, yeah, think no, no, no. I, 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 th- th- I thought of it too. I thought of it too. The minute I heard vibranium, I was like, oh, really? Right. Okay. Well. So, eh. so it makes it, it, it right. But if I have to go, eh, well, there's another problem for me. Okay. So, and, and I understand that they can't necessarily go and reinvent the lore because that's not the point of an origin story. But they, they like ran into it. It's not like they, they didn't change it and they didn't kind of slide around the edge of it. They just went full tilt into the uh, into the um, the whole special element that provides everything you could possibly want. Yeah. Um, it's like magic. Um, and, I, and I absolutely think that's a really cool idea that something could have come to Earth from another planet and may well be true that behaves in ways beyond the elements of this planet or we're, that we're capable of understanding or whatever. I think that's a fascinating idea. I was just, I'm just a little worn out with that as a plot thread in general. What Ryan Coogler and company are trying to do here is they're trying to tell this incredibly complicated story that is dec- spans decades, if not centuries, but just for this certain section of this certain family. And the palace, sort of, I'm going to call it palace intrigue with, you know, who's who should be king and who shouldn't and who's supporting who and, you know. That stuff um, I love. Yeah, the, okay. The general who's the head, you know, the head general who is going to support whoever the king is, regardless of whether or not she agrees with how he came to be there or what his idea is. That's a beautiful, complex idea. Um, and all the sort of family stuff that goes back and forth, the ability to sort of reach out and touch the generations from the past and have their influence continue with you now. This is all incredibly beautiful, complex stuff that I felt was overly compressed into this one story to the point at which that it didn't always give those ideas the room to breathe and be as wondrous as they could be because we were trying to get to the next sort of thing. And while I did feel it all flowed together... Unlike a movie I'm going to talk about, hopefully before we get out of here, which is Wrinkle in Time, I did feel the, the sort of flow of the story here. I just felt now upon, upon the second viewing when I was starting to go, oh, I get this better than I did the first time. Now I understand how these things are connected. And that guy is this guy and this guy is that guy and all these different things. I just said, there's just too much here for me to enjoy them. I really think this might have played better if it had been at least two or more films. Hmm. So that I had a real understanding of what Chakala's father did and who he was and what their relationship was. So that the loss of him isn't just, oh, he lost his father and and that equals sad. But, and oh, by the way, it's this guy who did it. We're just going to name him the villain. It turns out that it's, you know, circus, but we don't see him do his villainy. We just have to take their, their word for it that he is villainous. And that's true of even Bond movies that go, this guy is trying to take over the world, so now we have to go get him. We don't necessarily see him do bad things immediately. So that in and of itself is not a complete knock, but I felt like there was too much going on here. In general, you may have heard me say this before, that I feel that if you have to tell a story that says, well, this happened in this year, and then this happened in that year, I feel like in a book, stories that transpire over decades are more powerful and enriching and draw you in. And that stories in film that take place over decades, particularly ones that jump back and forth in time, it undercuts the power of it for me. Yeah. You know, uh, pre-credit sequences that 
show what happened before and then the credits roll and then you and then you uh, come back and it's years later or just kind of turns me uh, turns me off at a level and that's just a personal you know yeah, that I have well that doesn't bother me as much as you right and just to, to get back on what you said before I didn't have a problem yeah. follow like making all the connections and, and remembering things that were introduced briefly you you had said before that there were things that you got the second time around that like you saw the threads connecting and and whatnot and I just want to go on record saying I didn't, I didn't have I didn't have as big an issue with that here as you did uh, that's fair and listen I started by sort of blaming myself for not getting it the first time because I was sleepy and whatnot and that is that can't be a, I'm not saying this movie was so bad it put me to sleep that's not at all it's just I'm so I'm so bad I fell asleep but you mean you're so, so that's white on me. you fell asleep <laughs> what what so you're so white you fell asleep oh <laughs> I'm really trying not to sound just like an angry white guy that all these blacks got a movie. I think that's fine. That's I have no judgment there. I just go, then I really want it to be the best thing it can be. And I didn't, it wasn't, it just wasn't working uh, for me in some deeply, gosh, I wish I could remember all of the ways. All, all the, all the, all the things that worked completely outweighed. The th- for you. Yeah. yeah definitely. It's only growing the the farther away I get from it. <laughs> okay, so I go back to this original idea that, that Kugler wants to tell this epic, almost Shakespearean, yeah, in some ways tragic story at its at its base. Yeah, and when they fly away in the beginning, the little kid is looking up at the ship that flies away. I have no idea who that kid is or what it means. No, none of us. The do. kid knows, right? Huh. Well, I don't think any the of us kid know knows, at that point. And yeah. later, it's supposed to have an impact, uh, more of an impact for me. But I don't immediately see what's his name later and go, "Oh, that's the kid." No, but he shows us that later when we get his, uh, his Killmonger's background, like like when we get the we get filled in on right. what happened with him and his dad. Right. We see him Does running up that... from the basketball court and being the right. Yeah. Does part of that involve a flashback to something we've already seen? Mm-hmm. Well, partially, partially, it's they they flash back and continue what we didn't see before. So we go, but we do go back into that apartment and re see action there. Yeah, briefly, very briefly. Okay, okay. This is another thing that makes me want to shout at storytellers and filmmakers. They don't believe that they've told it properly in the first place, or they don't believe we're smart enough <clears throat> to understand it. Uh, I, well. Having only seen I it once, this, this... I can't. I can't speak to this with with accuracy. But I think it's it, it's so brief the portion that overlaps that it felt more like just backing up a little, like like a line or two. It did not offend me. I don't know what to say. Okay, um, I mean, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles is an example of where that happens. As is. Oh, what's the other one? Oh, Sixth Sense, which I largely am a huge fan of. I hate the reveal that involves the flashbacks. And what you're suggesting is that we're essentially going and seeing a flashback for the Michael B. Jordan character, who must have been young Killmonger then. Right. I'm not sure why he would have been named Killmonger when he was that age. But 
we're basically seeing his flashback, but instead of just seeing the part of it that's from his point of view, we're stepping back a few beats prior to that even and rewatching something we already saw. I call bullshit. You don't have to defend it, and you can not be bumped by it, and it's fine. To me, that just, again, goes to some poor choices. So, Ryan Coogler, tragic story, Shakespearean in size, love the idea, don't love the execution. He's got a problem in my mind, because if he makes the villain a bad guy, if he makes the villain a white guy, then you have this black guy fighting a white guy not super cool to do. Right. But if he, in my mind, when he makes the villain a, a black guy... Now we sort of have black on black crime, and so there's did you say black on black sort of crime thing that's a problem. Did you so say black on black yes. crime? Was that was that serious, or were you being yeah? That's funny? what I said. Okay, no, was that a joke? No, I wasn't making a joke. I I I didn't want to see. Okay, so the next step then becomes okay. They're brothers, so it's not so much about what color anybody is, but it's about or not brothers, but cousins. But it's about the way <laughs> they're brothers because they're all brothers. Hey, brother. Um, but that was that was the worst possible imitation of a... That was a perfect white guy, lame white guy doing a black guy. Yo, no, you did that perfect. <laughs> no, I should have said, my brother, instead of, hey, brother. So I fucked it up. And I am deeply ashamed for it. Anyway, uh, by making them relatives, it takes some of that curse off the idea that these are two black men fighting each other. I just... Uh, it, it, it's not my place for that to leave a, a, a bad taste in my mouth, but it kind of did anyway. Yeah, but but and you obviously what I really don't. Would have rather but seen, hold on, hold on. You obviously yes. don't have that reaction in every other movie made where it's two white guys fighting each other. So no, why, I don't. So why does it make you it, uncomfortable here? Um, because the phrase "black on black crime" came into existence, I didn't invent it. Yeah, but it doesn't come up in the movie. I mean, why would... I mean, first of all... It, it comes up in the movie when I see black people killing each other. Well... I don't know. I, to me, to me, the word crime yeah. is, 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 the, is, is the, the loaded word because a battle of good and evil, you know, when you reduce it to something that simple, it's not like... Like, what's the crime? This is the hero fighting the villain. I don't see that as crime. It's black on black. Okay, that makes sense in the frame of the story. Look, I'm sh- I- I'm sure I'm alone in the wilderness here. It's made ungodly amounts of money, which means people are going back to it again and again. Hell, I went back to it again. I can't wait to go back to it. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. No, I understand, but... <laughs> But not before you see the quiet place. No, and not before, and and certainly not until I've heard everything else you're going to say. Oh yeah, sure. I, I'm not completely done, but I'm I'm edging towards doneness. Wow. Okay. <sighs> okay. So deep breaths. Deep breaths. I, I would like to have seen. This is now my surgery. I'm going to fix this for me. I I would like to have seen Chakala, if that's how you say it. I feel so white again and, and square. I would like to have seen him find a way to break through to Eric and resolve it without the death of either one of them. From Maybe a story, you mean, you mean from a story yes. point of view, or from a story, or just point to of resolve view. the the the, the black on blackness? Well, both, because I would rather ultimately have the message be, "Hey." 
we're not literally brothers, but we are family in the larger sense. And we may have complete disagreements about what it is that, you know, sort of worldviews, very different worldviews. But let's find a way to peaceably live alongside each other rather than murder one another as a way of resolving our differences. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my feelings with that scene. That would have been a better message for me. Anyway, go on. The problem, the problem that I had with it was, <laughs> in light of everything you've just said, this, this is going to sound funny. I felt like I wanted, a, I wanted moral ambiguity. I wanted Killmonger to say, when, when, when he says, you know, we, we can you know, keep you, know, like a, you can stay with us. I wanted him to say, no, why? Because you'll just put me behind bars. I could have gotten that staying where I was. You're what's, right. you're what's holding us back. You're keeping us from our rightful place. And then he dies. Because the mo- I thought the movie did an absolutely beautiful job of... Look, there, there, there are three ways that, we, that they can go. As a, mm-hmm. as a race and as a tribe. Right? It's... Yeah. What, what are the three options? The three options are withdrawing from the world. It's, it, it's reaching out and helping. Or it's overthrow. It's taking you down because. The, the, the militant option. Right, and even though in most Bond or you know other movies with a villain, they'll they'll give him some some line that throws it all back at the hero and who makes him think you're as bad as me. And I, but in this case, I wanted I I, I wanted the opposition of methods to be laid bare in the forefront. Mm. So that let me down a little bit. But I did, but I also liked sort of this tying in because his character says somewhere early in the movie, and my father always said that the most beautiful thing in the world is the sunsets in Wakanda. Oh yeah, and no, then that, that scene, later I when he's assu- and then later when he's assuming power, he sa- he says, "May the sun never set on Wakanda." Mm. And then the last thing he sees is a sunset in Wakanda. I thought okay. that was that was, that was a beautiful that was a beautiful thread, but it was mostly um, I, I I was really surprised that there wasn't a little more exchange, and like I wanted the black power fist like pointing in his face, offering right. up his point of view that you're keeping us down, you're helping keep us down. Okay, you've opened up a bunch of different things. First of all, your sunset connection was fantastic. I wish I'd caught that. I didn't. Kudos to you for doing so, sir. Okay, so rolling back and looking at this structure a little bit. We have Michael B. Jordan arrive, and now he's going to challenge him, and they have to go to the ritual thing and do the ritual battle, right? Right. And in the ritual battle, they strip him of his Black Panther powers so they can fight mano a mano. Right. And we see a fight, a fair fight, where Michael B. Jordan wins right. and assumes control. Right. Okay. So now later in the movie, now we're going to have a fight where the two of them are both wearing their super suits, and they might as well be Iron Man and whoever else you can't see inside a, uh, inside a CG costume. And they're going to have one of these superhero battles where they're not destroying buildings, but they're delivering blows that would kill a normal man and going back and forth. And yeah. I'm like... 
how does this matter more? The stakes were higher when one of them ended up getting thrown off a cliff. And so I just feel dramatically those things were backwards in a sense hmm. that the final battle between them should have just been the two of them without anything special. But but when they get onto that track and he tells her to operate the, the tram, she says, but right. but the, because of the things that keep it in place, it's going to neutralize your power. So they were mano a mano again, just suited up. By that, right, by they that were still point. Delivering, they were still delivering blows and they're essentially are hiding their actors under masks and so that they could do stunts that weren't actual people more easily and uh, I say what you're I see what you're saying I feel like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too because they wanted these two guys dressed in these you know superhero costumes and essentially they're like gods um, so they can have a, a toe-to-toe super punch festival uh, I just feel like it's, to me, it came off as, as more lazy and hmm. less compelling rather than more compelling hmm. for me. And that goes again to what I feel like was just not very thoughtful uh, writing in the longer term. I felt like it was lowering stakes rather than raising stakes. I, again, had no, I had no issue with that at all. Oh, clearly, clearly, no, and, and I think it's fine. I, part of it is just some of it is my own like little things that sort of bug me, and there were too many of them, and I got off on the wrong, the wrong track, and so it was hard to then enjoy uh, some of the other stuff there. You know, what's going to happen is I'll sit up, bolt up right in the middle of the night tonight, going, "Oh fuck, I didn't say X, Y, or Z," and I'll, I'll wish that we would come back and do an extra ten minutes, which we'll never do. But I did have a few last things I wanted to touch on really, really quickly. These are super quick little things. You have um, uh, Forrest Whitaker playing whatever, the uncle, essentially, right? Mm. And Forrest Whitaker, as we know, has a bit of a lazy, kind of a droopy eye. And the actor that they cast to play him as a young man had a similar eye. Either they ah. cast a guy who looked like that, or they actually digitally altered his face so that he would look like... I didn't catch that. Forrest. Yeah. Now... The guy who was supposedly Forrest Whitaker's brother, essentially Chakala's father, he also had he had a completely dead eye. It did not blink. Really? It did not move. Same eye, left eye, yes. And the kid who he was. And then even sometimes there were shots of Bozeman where his head was tipped in a certain way that made it look like his left eye was drooped down. And I'm not sure if they were doing all of that intentionally, but they definitely felt like they were going, this family has this physical trait running through it in different ways. Hmm. You know, Chikala was wearing a Nehru jacket that was white with uh, lavender thread, and then the father guy had a fucked up eye. Hmm. And then when they did the flashback later, I was on the lookout for the guy playing him when he was young, and I went, that guy's eyes fucked up too. So anyway, I, I don't. It's not quite the sunset connection you made, but I just thought that they were they were making some choices and doing some interesting things there. You mean they were? You mean they were careful in that regard? Yes, they had. They knew they had to make up for some of the softness in the writing, so they did some things with people's eyes. Uh, I know you were trying to lure me into <laughs> pointing out I gave a compliment, but I I get it. Now I'm just looking around here quickly to see if there was anybody I didn't talk about that I wanted to. Uh, Angela Bassett is fantastic. I loved the gray dreads or whatever that she had. Um, Denai Guerrera, who plays the general. Uh, we 
I have loved her for several years now on The Walking Dead. She's absolutely fantastic, and it was great to see her on the big screen. I want to go to one little part. There was a part with somebody who has one line. Oh, I remember one of the other things I would wake up in the middle of the night to say. I'm going as fast as I can, man. Sterling K. Brown. Good night. Okay, actor named Denzel Whitaker, who you would... Uh, oh, no, that's not even who I was thinking of. Darn it. Uh, he here plays... Who did he play here? He's the younger Forrest Whitaker character. I think he might have been, but he's not related to Forrest Whitaker. He's named after Denzel Washington. Uh, he's worked with Denzel a couple of different times in different ways. No, the actor I wanted to bring up with was is Alex R. Hibbert. And Alex R. Hibbert, you might remember from Moonlight. He plays the kid in the first of the triptych. The little kid. The first of the three stories. He played little. Oh, no kidding. And I completely, I'm looking at his face going, I recognize that kid. Damn it. I recognize him. And uh, so I came home and looked him up, and there he was. So, and he has the one line where he's looking up at at Chakala, and they're in, not they're not at Compton, they're in Oakland. Yes. And the sister is showing the, you know, machine, and he's, he, he, everyone else runs to look at the machine, and that kid walks up to Chakala and looks, gives him a long look and says, who are you? And then we cut to this, you know, uh, look on Chakala's face like, you're about to find out. Yeah. I mean, he might not have said it like that, but in any case, so even down to this, this kid who's got just one line, you know Ryan Coogler saw Moonlight, loved that kid, Wanted to find a place to put him in here that would have some meaning, and there he goes. I find it interesting so, that you are able to recognize the kid from basically two movies, but none of these other actors, these adults, who you've seen in previous work after previous work. I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny, man. Wait, hang on a second. I did not recognize Sterling Brown or, uh, you know, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Or, um, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, Deny, Denuya, Daniel, whatever. Well, I do think it's funny that that somehow they they didn't make an impression on you and what you saw them in originally that you could easily make the connection. Well, I guess you didn't really make it easily here either. Sorry. Okay. I'm not not buying this one, but I definitely recognize those actors and knew where I knew them from. What I didn't get was, oh, this is the younger version of that actor, and here's how this younger version is related to that younger version, and now that's how this older version is related to that older. I was having trouble tracking all those older and younger versions of each of them. I will give you that completely. So here's my very last thing, the thing I would have woke up in the middle of the night wishing I had mentioned. There's a, a not a post-credit sequence, but a mid-credit sequence that they cut away to. I heard about it. I was, I was unfortunately oh, already it. out of the theater at that point, and then I heard about oh. it afterwards. Yeah, they did. there's one in the middle okay. of the credits, and then there's one after the credits, apparently. Yeah, okay. Dude, if you're seeing a superhero movie, you have to stay. Because they're, they're very well known for it. So, if you've heard about uh-huh. it, I'm going to say it quickly for anyone who might not have heard about it. It's basically Chakala at a, at a UN-type place where he's saying, look, we're from uh, uh, Wakanda, and we're now ready to you know, share our cells with the world and, and basically fix all your problems. Oh. And then, then somebody in the audience, one of the other UNers, says, how can a, a country as small as Wakanda do anything for the rest of us? And then we cut to a shot of Takala, and he gives us the look of, you're about to find out, brother. Okay. It is my contention that that is how the movie originally ended. 
and that there were test screenings or they all sat down and thought about it and they said there's a more fun way to do this and they came up with the fact that little sister and Chikala go to uh, Oakland and then they reveal to a bunch of street kids on a in a basketball court that we've seen before their their amazing spaceship it did feel a little tacked on that thing it did feel a little bit tacked on but didn't you just say that this is a staple of the superhero comic book movies is that well, no, no, I, I'm not. There, what there's I'm always suggesting something is they in the in the end credits or at their yes. credits. What I'm saying is that those two scenes, as a writer, I'm identifying that both those uh... scenes end with the same fucking shot of him saying, "Wouldn't you like to know?" Or I'm about to show you. It's the same reaction from him. It's a question and then a shot of him, and the implication being, "We're going to break this mother open and and reveal everything to everyone." And they function in exactly the same way. Just one of them has kids and it's a little more fun. And one of them is a stuffy thing inside a thing. So I don't think they actually had a post or mid-credit sequence that they were going to show. I think they just took the scene that they had cut out and stuck it in later. Because it's the same fucking scene. Is it possible that it was done intentionally? And draw a parallel between children of the neighborhood and children of the world? Okay. Like, all right, all right, I'm getting mad, man. Maybe? Uh, no, it is not possible. It is laziness, is what it is. It's the same fucking scene twice. It serves exactly the same function. And here, let's just apply some fucking logic. If they're pulling out that amazing spaceship on the street in Oakland to five or six uh, little kids. Now, maybe those little kids don't have cell phones because they're from the inner city, and inner city kids don't have cell phones. Oh, wait a minute, they fucking do. Or... Any of the hundreds of people at any of the hundreds of windows that were surrounding them could have also seen it. So what is he revealing? Are we now, have we gone back in time again? And his big reveal to the UN is prior to them showing off this tech in the streets of Oakland? Or is it actually chronological, but we're supposed to believe that the UN didn't hear about what fucking happened in Oakland? Nothing happens where everyone doesn't hear about it, and certainly nothing like that. So that mid-credit sequence doesn't make sense. And it was it was a bad scene in the first place when they shot it, and it was a bad idea when they chose to include it in the in the midsection. And now I'm done swinging. Otherwise, I loved it. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> you got me riled up, man. You kept challenging me. I kept. Why, how did should. I keep challenging? As you I didn't. I didn't mean to challenge you. I thought. I th- okay. I know. I, I thought I was just just asking you were questions. You were you were doing your job. You did fine. You did fine. Um, but I, I definitely that sort of stuff just pissed me off throughout. Your 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 vitriol your vitriol <laughs> scares me. Okay, now I know I don't have any time left for because we've gone on forever. For a rebuttal, I don't have any time left for wrinkle in time. What do you mean? Except we've gone this. on don't forever. Don't anybody see it? Don't anybody see it? The writing in it makes the, makes the writing of this thing look like it's genius level stuff. Wrinkle in Time is a disaster, I think. Uh, the young kid, the young uh, woman who is the star of it, it, does a fine job. And if I can, if I can find her name in a few seconds, I will. But Oprah Winfrey. Uh, Oprah? No, she is not the young girl in it. Oh, the young girl. Uh, by okay, a sorry. I thought you yeah, said the, the young name. girl. No, Oprah Winfrey. Winfrey and her character are ridiculous. The way they shoot it. I didn't care for Mindy Kaling. Actually, in general, I don't care for Mindy Kaling, but particularly here. Drew, not Drew, who's the other, oh, the other one I hate. Oh, uh, Reese Witherspoon hated her character in it. She has nothing to do with uh, Clueless, for the record. 
uh, Oprah, Kaling, and Reese are playing uh, and not in that particular order. Mrs. Witch, Mrs. What's It, and Mrs. Who. The young woman in it who starred was the main, as the main character Meg, who I liked a lot, was Storm Reed, uh, and she was she was solid. As were the other kids who were in it. But it was just, it felt very blocky and chunky and like the pieces of it didn't flow or connect with the pieces that came next. I don't feel like the, the uh, director, uh, Ava DuVernay, uh, had a handle on how to execute this story. It's a, you know, hundreds of millions, a hundred million dollar budget or something like that, even if it was only 40 million. She's used to, she did Selma and she did, you know, these much smaller personal Things and I just don't feel like she was up to the job of delivering this with any believability or emotional impact. And they just sort of took the original story and did what they wanted to with it, which is their right, but it did not provide a satisfying experience to me. I think you have a problem with black power. <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. You know what it felt like a little bit? Hang on a second. What? It felt a little bit like I'm going, this is going back to Ava DuVernay. It felt a little bit like, and I think I said this last week, The Adventures of Baron uh, von Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Um, in that there was some amazing visual stuff, but that the story was muddled and that things were just a little clumsily done. And I'm I'm a big fan of Gilliam, of uh, Terry Gilliam, but he fucks up as much as he gets right, if not more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the case here. And he's white, so it can happen to the best of us. Oh my God! Oh, <laughs> oh my God. man! Did you mean? Did you mean the best of us? Meaning white people? Uh, no, of course not. Oh, I didn't okay. mean it that oh, way. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I, I have a diverse. I have a heart filled with diversity. I just don't know that diversity, for the sake of diversity, is necessarily the best friend of every story you're trying to tell. Did you feel like? Black Panther was diversity for the sake of diversity. Do you feel like this was... Oh, not at all. I okay. felt like that was integral to the thing. Yeah. I felt like... Uh, and I felt like from the beginning when I first heard about the fact that they were going to do Wrinkle in Time and that Oprah was involved as one of the three... They're not witches, but I don't know what to call them really. Um, sort of guardian angels. She so didn't fit what was in my heart and head for a guardian angel as did any of the other ones playing them that I just went, I don't know why they did this. It looks fantastic, but it doesn't add up. Hmm. So, in any case, oh, God, I'm going to... You know what? I'd say we're going to get complaints, except that no one ever writes or calls or does anything. So, it's hard to know if they're even listening. Oh, I don't know. God, the, bless them, they this, could, this could be the one. This could be the... Uh, <laughs> this could be it, yes. This could be the fire This brand. could be the last... So, uh, I am done. I have wrapped up two of them. Do you want to do a final take for you on a nice positive final take on, um, on Black Panther? I maintain my original statement. I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I'm willing to forgive the, the things that bothered me because none of, them, the, none of them to me were fatal like they were for you. For you, they were toxic, obviously. But I thought the production was fantastic. I loved all the subtext. I, I, I loved being in this world. This, it, it wasn't just a black superhero movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it had, it had so much more in it than your typical 
Iron Man or, or Avengers or we're going to save the world type thing because the characters had real history that had meat on it and wasn't just there for show. And again, I just want to say the word glorious. I thought all of those actors were glorious, men and women. Definitely worth watching, even twice. And on that note... Ladies and gentlemen... We have come to the conclusion of this episode. We'd like to thank you for listening and for joining us. Until next time, your doctors are out.